Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. The sermon this morning is really just going to be something that uh, is more just God tugging on my heart than anything. Often I've been doing series and different things, and this morning is just uh, God's going to just... Lord willing, he's going to show up and do something here really neat in a second. But uh, I'm excited for what God is doing. And in my heart, in my life personally, I've been challenged in so many different areas of my life over the last few weeks, both professionally and as well personally. And none of that is a bad thing. It's just if you've gone through different stages of life where you're challenged in different areas and God's doing different things in your life. And that's kind of been one of those for me. And, um, and so a lot of that for me personally has been in the area of prayer both my personal devotion and prayer as well as corporately coming together in prayer as a body and as a, as a church and as we do those things. And so it's just really been, been one of those things that God has just really been tugging on my heart. And, and I encourage you over the next few weeks on Sunday evenings, if you would join with us, we are going to be uh, diving into some very, very practical application type points when it deals with prayer. And then at the end of that, we're going to give you guys something that we will be using as a church to, to continue to pray together and specifically over certain things. And so I really ask that you'd be a part of that. And, and so out of that little, uh, the things that God has been doing as I've been reading and as I've been praying and as I've been studying as to what would we speak or what would I speak on today this passage of scripture that we'll be in, <coughs> excuse me, uh, has came from that. And so I'm really excited, and my intention this morning is, is nothing more than this, than to encourage and challenge you in the Word of God. In praying for this morning, and, and what would be something that would be uplifting? What would be something that would encourage you? We got back into school. Things are kind of the fall has kicked off the holiday weekend last weekend. And kind of now we're, we're in full swing and everything's kind of back to normal, I guess you could say, for, for many families in the room now that summer's over. But how could I encourage? How could I lift up? And how could we do that this morning? And that's the heart behind this sermon. And I pray that it will be that for you as it has been studying it for me. And as I've taken a look at over the last couple weeks, and really a lot this week, at the mission of Oasis Baptist Church, the mission is this, to be and to create passionate followers of Christ. The undertone of that comes from the Gospels where Jesus says to go ye therefore and teach, making disciples, baptizing them. That we are to, to go out, that we are to, to be uh, disciples, and a part of that, we're not just to be disciples, but we're to go and bring others along. So we are to be passionate followers of Christ, but we're also to, to reach others and to see them come to know Christ and become passionate as well. But as we look at the undertone of that, the underlying principle or the underlying premise, I guess you could say, for me to be a passionate follower of Christ is that I would know Him. That I would know Christ in a greater and a more deeper and a more intimate way. And so out of that, we even we, we took the, the mission statement and we did it a little bit deeper. And so again, I'm going to read our vision statement. I believe it's up on the screens here, but Oasis Baptist Church is a family of believers growing in the Word of God daily encouraging one another and living a Christ-centered life so that the power of Christ 
through Oasis, creates an impact on the community that transforms, leading others to Christ and uniting us for God's glory. As believers, this is what kind of, as I was, we, there's a group of us, we, we worked and we prayed over, and as I kind of sat in my office and I would work over this, kind of where this came from, we are to be growing every day. Growing in knowledge of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. In that, as we grow, we are to encourage one another. We are to uplift one another. We are then to, to, to live. The outflow of that is that we would live as best as we can on this earth without being perfect. That we would live a Christ-centered life. And through that, knowing Christ and living a Christ-centered life to the best of our ability, that we would then be able to make an impact on our community. And that community is this. That is your personal community. Each and every one of us in this room have our own kind of personal community where you go to work, the neighbors that are around you, the family that you interact with that may not live in your home. We have our own communities. We as a church, collectively, have a community that we are inside of. And as we grow in the knowledge, and as we grow and learn to love Him and know Him, we would then be into those community, reaching, for the, or reaching people for the cause of Christ. This morning, I want to take us to a passage that discusses and challenges us with the thought of prayer that Paul in Ephesians is praying for the inner growth and the strength of the believer, which will enable the power of God to shine in their lives there in their community at the church of Ephesus. And so if you would go with me with your, the word of God that you have to Ephesians chapter number 3. And I'm going to read just two verses this morning, and then as we get through the sermon, or the, the sermon we'll dive into a couple other pass- or verses, but... Just two verses out of Ephesians chapter number 3, and we'll start in verse number 20. And it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I ask this morning that you would empty us of anything that is causing us to fight against you this morning. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts, that you would open our minds, and that, God, you would reign supreme in this place today. God, that you would fill this place. God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would fill me. God, that the words that would be said today would not be my words, but they would be yours. And that you would speak and you would penetrate the hearts of each and every one of us that are in here this morning. It's in Jesus' most precious name that I pray. Amen. So as we get into this passage of Scripture this morning, and we begin to think of Paul is praying again for the, the Ephesian church, and he's praying that they would have strength. He's praying that they would, they would have a, a, a stronger inner, inner growth, so to speak, that they would know him better internally, personally. He starts in verses 14 and 15. He says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named 
Paul here starts and he introduces and he kind of he references a posture. He says that he bowed his knee unto the Father. Now this morning, my intention and the thought, and really as we'll get into this, you'll see this. I'm not going to teach you specifics on how to pray this morning. That's not the point. But as we get into this, Paul says, I bowed my knee to pray. Now, if you've ever read throughout Scripture, you know that many people throughout Scripture reference prayer, and they reference different things of prayer. Paul here references that he bows his knee. Abraham references that he stood. Others, uh, Solomon references standing. David in the Psalms referenced that he sat. Jesus referenced that he fell upon his face and he wept. We see different postures and we see different things. This morning, it's not so much the posture that we will physically get into, but the posture that I believe is the most important is that Paul came with the posture of humbling himself, humbling his heart to an almighty, the great I am, the one, the only Lord God that he was serving. And he was pouring out his heart and he was pouring out and he said, hey God, I'm praying this on behalf of the church at Ephesus. I'm praying this on behalf of of my people, so to speak. And he prays out and he gives this posture. In the heart of this prayer, in verses 16, and we'll read these next few verses if you go with me, in verse 16 it says that he would grant you, again, Paul is praying out, God grant them according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by a spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. And then he goes on in the verses that I just read, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all, that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Paul says, again, I'm just going to kind of reiterate, the God, that God would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Donald Barnhouse said this, and some of you may go, what? Donald Barnhouse said this, prayer changes nothing. Many of you in this room, may have, your jaws may have just, oh, wait, 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 prayer changes nothing. The truth is, God changes things, not prayer. Prayer works because of the sovereign power of God, not because of the words that I say, the faith that I may think that I have, but because of the sovereign power of the Almighty God. See, there's many, many faiths, and there's many, many people this morning that will pray to God. There is people every single day that will bow upon their mats and they will face Mecca and they will do these things every single day ritualistically. Prayer does not change things. The Almighty God changes things and it's out of the sovereignty of God that He does so. And this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture and this morning as we dive into this just a little bit here, Paul starts 
And he ends with two incredible statements. And he says this in verses 15. He says, of whom the the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Paul starts in this passage in verse 15, and he basically says, okay, in verse 14 he says that he bowed his knee, and in 15 he says that he reached out to God, and he basically said how awesome and how powerful and how mighty God is. Then he goes throughout verse 16, 17, 18, and 19, and he prays out, and he gives his petitions to God, and he comes to the end, and he says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Paul began his prayer telling God how awesome that he was. Paul comes to the end of his prayer and he he ends his prayer. He closes his prayer letting God know, God, you are almighty. You are all powerful. God, you can do anything exceeding above anything that I can ask or that I can think. Looking at this and thinking about these statements, how Paul kind of just sandwiched his prayer with the greatness of God to start with the greatness and to end with the greatness and the praise of God. This came to my mind. How often do I thank Him for His greatness and then just say amen at the end? You might go, well, that's just, a, that's just prayer. God, you are awesome. God, I thank you. God, here's all the things that I need. Amen. Thank you. Now, here's, here's the thought behind this. God, you are awesome. God, you are this. And God, you are great. And you are mighty. And you are holy. And you are righteous. And you are forgiving. And God, you are merciful. God, you are. And God, you're great. And you're mighty. And God, I am begging you, God, there's a family over here that I know needs a healing. There's this over here that, that God, can you intervene in these situations? And here's the circumstances. And here's the situation. God, here's my heart. And to close it out, and he says, God, I already know that you're the great I am, and you've already heard this. You already know my thoughts, and I'm just bringing them to you, even though you already know them. You've already answered it. You've already done this long before I ever thought of this. But God, you are almighty, and I'm just letting you know that I'm praising you, and I'm thanking you because you are the almighty. Amen. And Paul is praying over these people. In verse, or Psalm chapter 50 and verse 15, it says, it says, And call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver thee. And here's the, here's the, the point of this sermon, or why I, I use this passage. It says, Thou shalt glorify me. See, the prayer, the, the purpose of prayer this morning is not that my needs would be met. The purpose of prayer this morning is that thou shalt glorify him. See, we don't pray to get our needs met, though that's how we often pray. We pray we pray to God that He would be glorified in that. And so this morning, over the next few moments, I'm going to get into verses 20 and 21. And we're going to talk about the incredible nature of the Almighty God that you and I have the opportunity to serve and to pray to. My first point this morning is just this. God is able to answer your biggest request. Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now I'll I'll just say this just off the get-go this morning. This ought to be a passage of Scripture that we should be squirming in our seats praising Jesus for for the next 15 to 20 minutes. It's a powerful thought. Now, un, 
to him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. God is able to answer your biggest request. This is God's divine omnipotence. That is that God rules and reigns over all things. In Jeremiah or chapter 32, he says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Jeremiah 32 and 17 says, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Luke chapter 1 says, For God with or for with God nothing shall be impossible. Shortly thereafter, right before that statement, was when Mary found out that she was with child and, and going to God, and he says, Oh, for for with God nothing shall be impossible. Luke 18, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. God is omnipotent. God is all-powerful. And God knows all things. God, in this passage of Scripture, shows His power in a couple different ways. One is that his om- He's omnipotent infinitely beyond us. This is an awesome, I just think this is neat. In this passage of scripture right here where we're looking in verse number 20, it says, now unto him that is able. Paul could have said unto God. Paul could have said unto Jesus Christ. Paul could have said a number of things, but he references God as being the God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that he asks or think. It's just kind of a, maybe a neat little thought for you this morning. He doesn't just reference him as God. He references him as the God who is able to do exceeding abundant above anything that we ask or think. His omnipotent power goes infinitely beyond us. God is able. Think about this real quick. God is able. And not only is God able, but he does it. Not only is God able, but He does it. See, many of us are able to do a lot of things and we choose not to. God is able and He chooses to do it. Acts chapter 20, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. That's an incredible thought that God is able to build us up. He's able to give us that inheritance. 2 Corinthians 9, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Jude 24, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. God this morning is able. God is able to do something with His power. Let me say this. What can He do with His power? He can do above all that we ask or think. He can do above all. Not only is God omnipotent and powerful, but God will do what we ask. Matthew 7, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. I don't know about you, but when I read this passage and I was studying this passage, now let me say this. Everything that you ask isn't getting done. 
Can I get an amen on that one? <laughs> Many times we've gone before God, and, but I will tell you this, God will give you an answer. It may or may not be what we ask for, but he will give us the answer that we need. And this morning as we look at this, it says not only that, that he will give us those things, but, but, but not only does God have the power to do what is asked, but it also says what you think. Let me ask you this question this morning. How many times have you bowed your head and you've cried out to God and you've went and maybe you've went into your closet. Maybe you've gotten on your knees beside your bed. Maybe you've been in a church service. Maybe whatever that is. And you get down and you're, you're at that point and you're ready to pray out to God and you're just, God, I don't even know what to say. God, I'm clueless right now. God, my world has just been rocked. And I don't even know what to say. And God's word says in this verse right here, not only does he give you what you ask, but he can know what you think. Sometimes it's just good to stand and sit before God and just say, God, here I am. You already know what's on my heart. And sit in silence. God is all powerful. God is omnipotent. But not only is God omnipotent, He is omniscient. God can do what you ask, but God can do what you think. And then He asks, or He kind of says this, but how much? How can He do all that you ask or think? How much? All. Above and beyond what we can ever think. There is nothing that is too hard for my God. I have four children, and when I was one of, especially with our first child, my mom used to, would take the kids, and we, music is always a part of our home, and there's always music going, and there's always something, and we're trying to teach our kids and whatever, but my mom would often take our kids, and she would sing the song, My God is so big. So strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. And I remember um, all of my kids would sing that song when they were little. And they would do the thing, my God is so big and so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. And I can see Madison when she was little doing that. There is nothing that is too hard for my God. There is no burden God cannot lift. There is no door that God cannot open. No enemy God cannot defeat. There is no sickness God cannot heal. There is no need God cannot meet. No problem God cannot solve. And let me tell you this. There is no sin this morning that God cannot forgive. My God can do anything. He can do all that you ask or think. He doesn't even strain to do it. Hey, you know those really hard things? I go to the gym three times a week. I know it doesn't look like it, but I go to the gym a few times a week. And it was a couple weeks ago. I was doing a lift and I was doing something. And at the end of the day, well, it wasn't the end of the day. It was at the end of that particular lift. I strained a little bit too hard. And whatever it was in the back of my neck, I was kind of like this for just a moment. And for the next day and a half, I had that kink that I was constantly trying to move my neck around. Why? Because I strained too hard trying to lift whatever that little weight was 
Hey, God can do anything and He doesn't strain to do it. It's not a burden on Him to do it. He can do anything. My God can do anything. He is able to do it. Here is what this is. How many of you, maybe you've seen these commercials where it's the phone commercial. And at the end of the commercial, it's usually the Apple and the, the Galaxy or whatever. And at the end of the commercial, the guy's, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you're all looking at me like you're an idiot. Hey, bad analogy. But here, let me say it like this. God can and will and should blow our minds daily. Because my God is strong and powerful and able. This is good thing. This is just good stuff. But God is able to save. Just think about some of this stuff. I just kind of put some thoughts together. God is able to save your lost husband and lead him to lead you in spiritual maturity in Christ. God is able to bring your wayward child to himself and make him to be a missionary of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is able to fix your broken marriage and then give you a ministry to help in restoring others' broken marriages. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything that we ask or think. Just stop for a moment. Just stop for a moment. If we go back to some of the previous verses that, that, that God was, or Paul was praying, that God to grant them according to His riches to be strengthened. And he goes on that Christ would dwell in their hearts, that they, should, they would be rooted, they would be grounded, they would, be, they would comprehend with all the saints the breadth. And again, as we look at this and we take it back to what I started with, is that we are to be and create passionate followers of Christ. It starts with a knowledge and a knowing of Him, an almighty Him. Listen here this morning, you want to learn how to pray? Most people would ask me all the time, God, Aaron, how do you really pray? Listen, there's a million books on how you can pray. There's a million how-tos. You can go on the internet, how-to, and you can do a lot of different things. But here, if you want to know how to pray, here's what you need to do. You need to get to know the God who answers the prayer that you're trying to pray. You want to know God? You want to learn how to study God's Word? We want to get into this. And God, how do we pray? How do we read God's Word? How do we do it? It's not about reading a how-to manual. It's knowing Him. Period. I can't read my Bible. I don't understand it. You find out how to know Him. You beg God, God, I don't understand it. God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you. I don't understand how, how, how. It goes back not how the book that you read. Listen, I don't get to know God because I went to Bible college for a couple years and somebody told me in a book how to study. No, I get to know God when I fall on my face and I learn Him. And as we get into this next thought here, all of this comes from a full and a total surrender of our life. That's what Paul prayed. That they would what? That they would be strengthened. That Christ would dwell in our hearts. That we would be rooted and grounded. That we would, we would comprehend the breadth and the length and the depth. It's, it's, that we would, it's a total surrender of our lives to Him. 
I'm not going to spend much time on this, but 2 Chronicles chapter 25, we come to a point where Amaziah, it says in 2 Chronicles 25 too, that Amaziah did what was right in the sight of the Lord. But then it says, but not with a perfect heart. Amaziah did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not giving a complete heart back to God. And just briefly going through the story there, Amaziah then raised up a group of people and he raised up an army and he even went as far as going to sell or to buy people, buy soldiers from the neighboring areas. And a man of God came to Amaziah and he says, if you take those men with you, you will be defeated. And Amaziah looks at the man of God and he says, but I just paid a hundred talents of silver for these guys. I can't get a refund. Hey, what am I going to do? I just spent this money to get all these people in. How am I going to do that? And Amaziah in the Second Chronicles chapter 25 and verse number 9, it says, And Amaziah said to the man of God, what I just said, But what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given to the army of Israel? And here's what the guy says, or the man of God answers, The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. The response, God is able to give you much more than that. God is worthy of our total devotion. The Lord is able to give thee more than this. God is worthy of everything. Whatever it costs you to do the will of God, God is able to give you much more than that. Amaziah was afraid that he was going to lose. Why? His army wouldn't be big enough. More than all that we ask. Or think. This morning, as I wrap up this point, as much as this stands to be true for you and I, as a believer in God, that God is able to do much more than we ask or think, this is almost a scary thought, but just a reason why you ought to be careful to tell God to stay out of your life. Because God is able. He can stay out of your business for time and eternity. And there is a place that when you've denied Him, that you will spend eternity in a place called hell. What does it matter today if you live in the biggest house on your block but don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you drive the fastest car but don't know Christ as your Savior. If you wear the nicest clothes, but don't know Christ as your Savior, what does it matter? There's coming a day when we will all answer to God and each of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sure candidates for the wrath of God. However, if you would run to the cross, He will redeem you. He will cleanse your sin and give you life everlasting. It doesn't matter the mess that we are. God is able. God's power is indwelling within us. The next point. God's power is indwelling within us. Now unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. 
You might ask, well, how? And I've said this many times over the last few weeks, but according to the power that works in us, He is able at the beginning. The word able at the beginning is now power at the end. How is He able? Because He gives us the power inside of us. God Himself is the power at work in us. The Holy Spirit, the same God that is able to give you strength we need, now lives in us. We don't set waiting for the power to just fall from the sky. It's in you and I. This morning as I stand here and as I speak and you listen, God's power is in you if you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You might say this, as many of us have, as I have, I should say, many times, but I sure don't feel very strong. I sure don't feel strong enough to move mountains. I sure don't feel strong enough to hurdle that next bump or the hurdle in front of me. I sure don't feel strong enough to that. I would say this. Good. Because the moment that you and I feel that we're strong enough to do it is the moment that we attempt to do it on our own without God who is able to do exceeding, abundant, above what you think or what you ask. Hey, I pray that I never feel strong enough to move the mountain by myself. I pray that I never feel strong enough to lead a church by myself. I pray that I never feel strong enough to be the husband that I need to be, the dad that I need to be. I pray that I never feel strong enough. I'll tell you this just to let you know, there's days that I think I am though. And there's many times where I'll say, I got this all by myself. God, I'm okay. God will give you the strength as it is needed. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 and verse 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul was right before that, said, God, hey, I've got this thorn in the flesh. And he went three times, God, take it from me. God, take it from me. God, take it from me. And Jesus Christ, he answers and he says, hey, my grace is sufficient for you. I've got this all under control. Hey, there's been many times over the last three years leading this church here at Oasis that the inadequacy has felt so large that I don't feel that I can do it at all. Many, many times, God says, Hey, Aaron, my grace is sufficient for you. You don't do it alone. Hey, let me just carry you. Let me just hold you in my arms. And we'll get you there. Let me encourage you this morning. God's grace is sufficient for you. Are we ready? Can we get to the last verse this morning? Verse number 21 in the next couple minutes. Worthy, that God is worthy of your highest praise. That God is worthy of your highest praise. He says in 21, unto Him to be glory in the church. By Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. To Him be the glory. The purpose of prayer is to glorify God. God is glorious 
because God is God. God is glorious because God is God. But what does it mean for you and I to glorify God? In this verse, he gives a couple very simple things that you glorify him and him alone. It says it right at the beginning, unto him be glory. If you watch any of the different award shows on television or any of those things and they all get up there with their snazzy outfits and they pull out their coat jacket and they look in and they grab their list and they pull it all out and they begin to thank all of these people and they begin to praise all of these people. Here's the reality. I pull out one thing and His name is Jesus Christ, God Almighty, the great I Am. He's the only one that's worthy of the glory that is deserved. There's nobody else that I have to glorify in but Him and Him alone. Psalms 8, 4 and 5. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor, and the son of man that thou visitest him. But yet we sinned, and we broke that fellowship, we broke that perfection, we broke all that, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all been washed up with with the problems, and we've all had all of those things. God wants to bring us and make us new. And in that, He's able to glorify in each and every one of us. In the next part there, He says, not only that you glorify Him and Him alone, but you glory to God in the church. You glory, the glory is to God and it's seen in the church. The church is the platform to where God is glorified. God says this, do you want to see my glory? Go look in there. Why? Because if you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and you become a child of God and as you become the church, we could look at that, the, the global church of all believers all around the world who have known Jesus Christ and you can look at that individually and as people, let me ask you this, what do you think when people look inside the walls of Oasis Baptist Church, does the glory of God shine because of the people and what God is doing in the, in the, inside of the walls of Oasis Baptist Church? Here's what that looks like. God says, hey, you want to see this? Just go look in there and you'll see the miracle of what God is. Because as I go from this side of the room and I could go through every single person's story, though I may not know your story, I can go through every section and I could go through every person's story. And here's what we've got. We've got a mess. From one side of the room to the other side of the room and the man in the front and the people in the back, we've got a mess of people that don't deserve anything of the glory of God, but yet when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, He gives us a little something. What did I say a little bit earlier? He can take the man that never knew Jesus Christ and his wife has been praying and praying, God, bring him to me. God, bring him to yourself. And God, my husband, I'm dying for my husband. He needs to come to know you. And that man can come to know Jesus Christ and he can turn right around and he can help that lady to know maturity in Christ. 
He can take your broken marriage and He can put it back together. And He can say, hey, though you were a mess, I'm going to use you to go over here and you're going to be the you're going to be part of the healing of this marriage over here. Hey, inside of these walls is a mess that God has shed His blood for, that God has paid it all for, that each and every one of us, though we don't deserve it, that we have a piece of the glory of God in our lives and that we can celebrate and that we can worship and that we can honor and praise to an almighty God. The glory to God is seen in the church. Glorify God in Christ Jesus. It says, unto Him be glory. And then that glory would be seen in church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. The church and Christ are kind of alongside one another. And again, not making the church equal. But let me say this as we get into this. You can't honor Christ and dishonor the church at the same time. You can't have a high view of Christ and a low view of the church. The priority is on Christ. Glory of God can't be in the church unless the church is in Christ. To glorify God in Christ Jesus. Yeah, I know Jesus Christ. I love God. I pray to God, I read my Bible, but that church, they're just full of hypocrites. That church, I just can't have anything a part of that. Hey, let me tell you something. If you speak bad about my wife, you've got a problem. And we're the bride and he's the groom. You speak bad about the church, don't tell me how much you love God. That's what's going on there. The glory doesn't, it's, it's one with the other. You don't come into my home and speak ill of my wife and me go, oh yeah, hey, how you doing? You're my best buddy. It's not how that works. If we look through Scripture, we're the bride. He is the groom. We're the sheep. He is the shepherd. And we can go all throughout the different analogies that are used throughout Scripture, but you can't bash on one and say that you love the other. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus was the walking, talking, breathing glory of God. John chapter 12, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify Thy name Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Hey, Jesus did not die to solve your problems and mine. Jesus died for the glorification of his Father. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We would glorify God in Him alone. Glorify God in the church. Glorify God in Christ Jesus and glorify God forever. It says unto Him, be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. 
Amen. Throughout all generations, for all of history and time, no matter the culture, no matter the circumstance, God is worthy of the glory. You might say, but look around our world, look around the things. Hey, God is worthy of our glory. All times, all generations. And then he ends it this way, and he says, Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.